My name is Priscilla Lynch and I'm the host of this series of podcasts from the Irish Dental Association called The Whole Tooth. During the series we'll be examining a wide range of dental and oral health issues which affect dentists in their working lives. In this episode, we're going to be talking to Dr. Ida Delarghi, Clinical Director of the Practitioner's Health Matters Programme, about stress and burnout in dentists, how prevalent it is in Ireland, and what dentists can do to try and alleviate the situation. Ida, could you start by telling me a bit about your own medical background and how the programme was set up? I'm a GP by training and I've been in practice for more than 30 years now. I have been specialising in the area of substance use and addiction for over 20 years and I suppose that has also taken me into the area of mental health because of the associations between mental health issues and or substance misuse and addictions. Some years ago I was asked to take over what was programme in operation at that time which was called the Sick Doctor Scheme programme but it was quite an informal programme which suited the at the time informal in that people might approach a colleague who who they would perceive to be in difficulty, but it didn't really have any robustness around it or good governance structures in terms of modern day healthcare requirements. So I did do some research and looking around with other programmes internationally and decided that we would develop a new programme in Ireland called the Practitioner Health Matters Programme. Because of the similarities between the difficulties that doctors, dentists and pharmacists would have in particular, we designed the programme to support those three professions. And these particular professions are seen as very desirable, high earning, you know, people want to to go into these professions, but also they have a lot of burnout and stress issues, more so than a lot of other professions. Can you explain why that is? Well, that's true. It's a very, very desirable profession, very high achieving to get into the three professions. So it attracts people who are tend to be perfectionistic, very driven, very good academically, and also their expectations are very high. And sometimes there's a disconnect then between, you know, the the personality types that go into it and the the job description at the end of the day. And because of this, that means that they often find it harder to ask for help, dentists, doctors and pharmacists, really. That's one of the key points, really, and one of the key reasons why such a programme as ours is very vital in terms of offering support to these groups. I suppose the acknowledgement at a personal level that they're struggling can be difficult, and accessing help can be very difficult. So for those reasons, you know, we know that, you know, for these three professions and, you know, the dentists will find it difficult to come forward to declare that they have a problem. And some of that's even reflected in, say, the numbers that we're seeing so far. We have had 20 dentists present to the programme out of a total of 3,000 dentists. So, you know, the numbers are relatively small. We're always endeavouring to get our message out there that the programme exists. But even at that, you know, the numbers coming forward, you know, are relatively small. And we know that that's only the tip of the iceberg. So the programme's been in existence since since 2015 and the numbers attending have steadily increased year on year but as you said sometimes people just aren't aware of the service or what it does exactly so I suppose one thing that you've always stressed when I've talked to you about the programme before is that it's completely confidential. 
Yeah, that that's very important for practitioners to be aware that about the confidentiality of the program. So we're independent. We're independent of the regulator. We're independent of the employer, and we will not report to anybody unless the practitioner gives us consent to do so. And that's one of the really important things is we have a memorandum of understanding with the with the dental council. And so we they have given us the imprimatur to work with somebody, to support somebody, no matter how serious the issue is. And so long as that person is cooperating with us and not putting patients at risk, we can we can work really well with in that context. And that's very important. It gives reassurance for the practitioner that if they do come forward, they can do so in complete confidence. And what are the kind of issues that dentists approach you about? The main issues are stress and burnout. We know that that's very high within the within the profession. All the statistics internationally and in Ireland would suggest that, you know, the figures are running at around about 40 percent, which is high. And the importance of that, of course, is that there are patient safety concerns around that. And, you know, obviously then, you know, fall out from the profession and the ultimate would be, you know, the risk of suicide for a practitioner. So it's very important that these issues are acknowledged and are addressed where possible. What causes stress within the profession? I think it's the particular demands of the the work environment. Stress and burnout are related to the occupation. So it, it tends to be an occupationally driven, you know, set of symptoms. So, Ida, could you tell me perhaps about a typical example of the type of dentist issues that would present to the service? Well, I'll give you an example of somebody who presented recently that contacted us through our confidential email and the dentist said, I've been thinking of contacting you for quite a while. I've thought about this. I made a number of attempts to contact and then I backed off. So obviously this was a person who was struggling for for a while and like that was nervous about coming forward, but eventually made the contact. And this person then, we would always offer an appointment very quickly. The next available appointment, we try and be very responsive because we know the effort and the the challenge that it is for somebody to make contact with our service. So we got that person to come forward and did the assessment. And what was happening was the person had had very worried about a particular intervention, clinical intervention made with the patient and was ruminating and worrying about that, fearful of a patient complaint. The patient hadn't been satisfied and there had been a little altercation with that patient and that had played away on that practitioner's mind and was waiting for the day that the letter would come in from the dental council with the complaint and this had really been interfering with sleep, unable to enjoy normal family and other you know, events and had lost weight because it wasn't eating and also had started to resort to to drinking. So had recognised that, you know what, every evening I'm reaching for a glass or more than a glass just to make things easier for myself. So that's the type of case that we would see and that's not untypical. So Again, you know, once we were able to do the assessment and identify any underlying factors that would contribute to that person's level of anxiety, get perspective on the the issue, 
we're working with that person now and helping to address the levels of anxiety, having one-to-one therapy around that, some CBT, and, you know, things are progressing very well. And dentists, they're seen as high-performing professionals. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of demand for dental services, both private and public. So really, they have to be on all the time. Yet sometimes they're working in situations where they might be single-handed practitioners with just a dental hygienist and the secretary, and it can be quite isolating as well. So are, are these kind of among the stressors, really, that contribute to burnout? Very much so. I think the, the working environment for dentists absolutely plays a contributing part to why the, the level of stress and burnout is so high. Working in isolation, I mean, we know that teamwork is a protective factor for mitigating against the risk of burnout and stress. And yet, as you say, dentists work in often in isolation and with lack of team. And they also have to make individual decisions absolutely at all times right through the day. So they are on, they they can't afford to not be fully concentrating, fully engaged with their patient at all times. And that's, you know, that is stressful to do that day in, day out. They're also working very, you know, with very fine manipulative movements with their hands all the time and working in a very small space. So the whole feeling of feeling, being confined and both in terms of the the environment that they work in and the cavity that they're working in. So I think all of these contribute to the, the you know, this concern around stress and burnout. And uh, in recent years, patients have become more demanding, many dentists say. They have this kind of expectation of perfection, of being pain-free in all their procedures. But as we know, it, it's more complicated than that and not all results perhaps might be what they particularly want. So I think, is that adding to stress, do you find, from talking to dentists? Well, I would have found that dentists, by their nature, their personality types are very perfectionistic. They also tend to be kind of anxious types. You know, those traits are very prevalent, as I would see it in this this cohort. And, you know, then, as you say, combining that with the demands of the patient who expects perfection at all times. And when that doesn't, you know, and the real world is that not everything goes according to plan, and some things don't work out perfectly. But I would find that dentists ruminate really strongly when something doesn't go according to plan, and they would become very stressed and anxious about that situation. And they find it very difficult to let go of those, you know, those negative thoughts around a case even, or a set of cases that didn't go according to plan. And like doctors, there's always that fear hanging over dentists of um, a complaint to the regulator, isn't there? So that's an added factor, really, for the medical professions. Yeah, the the environment that I suppose healthcare operates in these days is, you know, high litigation and an increasing number of complaints to the regulator. And so, you know, you factor those in again. And, you know, it's been shown again in all the international literature that the fear around being reported to the regulator is really top of every practitioner's agenda. That's most people's worst nightmare. And so you've got those constraints, you know, you're operating to best practice guidelines, you're operating with in a very litigious culture, and you're operating in, you know, fear of the consequences of being reported to the regulator where your professional standing and your ability to practice is, uh, is at stake. 
So when they do make their way to your service, can you tell us, I suppose, about the type of problems that they present with and the type of services you can offer them? Well, they very often present in a very, you know, stressed state of mind, highly anxious, not sleeping, ruminating on maybe, you know, some, as I said, maybe some minor adverse event. And they're the type of things that bring somebody to our service. What we offer then is a full assessment, a full mental health and medical assessment. And when you go through that, very often there's other factors that play as well, you know, other factors that have contributed to this practitioner getting into difficulty. And often it's what I would call a perfect storm. They've had personal factors or financial factors or bereavement factors or a whole range of things that come together at the same time. And then just one incident or one adverse event can just tip them over the edge. And you have a range of services available actually to dentists, doctors and pharmacists who present, whether it's physical issues, psychiatric issues, mental health. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about those services? Well, the services that we have available would be, you know, psychiatric evaluation and individual or group therapy. And then obviously, if somebody has resorted to managing their symptoms through alcohol and or other substances, we would have to, you know, offer addiction support services. And sometimes that requires inpatient as well as outpatient support services. Because dentists, like doctors, would have access to controlled substances. And although it will only be a minority of dentists who go down that road, obviously it's a very important issue for both patient safety and for making sure that the practitioner themselves is protected and treated and can go back to practice. Yes, it's a very important patient safety concern, as well as a concern for the individual practitioner. I would find that most dentists do not rely on alcohol quite so much, maybe because of the close proximity with their patient. They, maybe there's a fear of being detected with alcohol. And also some would say that because of, you know, the shakes that they might get when coming off, you know, alcohol, it would interfere with their ability to work in terms of fine motor movements. However, there is a tendency to resort to painkilling medication, and we've seen that quite a bit. We've seen dental practitioners resorting to codeine-related products or analgesic products. Now, dentists have prescribing rights, and therefore they can write these prescriptions for their patients, but sometimes it migrates into resorting to using them themselves. And they find that they can be a stress reliever. And of course, that then becomes can become problematic for individuals. Like with doctors, self-prescribing is quite a serious issue. And it's quite common, according to surveys among the medical profession. We're not sure how prevalent it is among the dental profession in Ireland, but obviously it happens. And you would advise against it. And all dentists should have their own GP and obviously their own dentist. Totally agree with that point. You know, crossing over a professional boundary where you're writing prescriptions for yourself is one of those, you know, issues that we very much would advise against. When somebody presents who has already fallen into that situation, we obviously discuss that very carefully with them and ask them to give us an undertaking that they will not do that further. If any further prescribing needs to happen, the practitioner health or in conjunction with their own GP that's where any prescribing would would have to continue. 
But, you know, there is a professional boundary there that has been crossed if somebody has already resorted to self-prescribing. And when someone is in serious trouble, I think sometimes they think that reaching out to either the regulator or to yourselves means that that's the end for them. But having spoken to a doctor who was treated very successfully by your service and his regulator, he spoke about how supportive services were and that they were aimed at getting him back to work as soon as he felt able to. And he was able to continue his career successfully. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something we very much want to highlight, that there is nothing to fear in in coming forward. We will not be reporting you. We will be there to support you. So it's support rather than report is our tagline. And so we're, we're there to absolutely, our main aim is getting people back to work safely and well, both for themselves and for their patients. So there's a win-win in that. And we we are successful in that. Our success rates are very good. And, you know, doctors and dentists and pharmacists do very well in a programme like this because, you know, they they get the message, they've got developed good insight and with the right type of support, they can only do do well. And obviously, if you feel that a colleague is in trouble, you should perhaps maybe tell them about the service and let them go forward themselves. Well, this is where we would... Really, our aim is that every practitioner knows that this service exists. You may never need it yourself, but you may notice a colleague in difficulty and could point them in the right direction. So we, you know, we we try and be public about this. We try and get the messages out and the IDA have, you know, publicised the service in their newsletter on a regular basis. And I was very heartened to when one dentist presented recently again that individual said, I never thought I'd need this service. But when I was in difficulty, I remembered reading the article in the the dental, the IDA publication, and I knew where to go. And that's exactly what we want, you know, that you might never need it. You might never need it for yourself, but you know it exists when and if a time comes where you or a colleague requires it. And your services are based in Sandyford, aren't they, in Dublin? So do you get people from all over the country or from the greater Leinster region mostly? It's a national service. So the Dean Clinic in Sandyford is our official base, but would also see practitioners in Black Rock as well. Now, for the moment, the service is Dublin based. In time and as we build the service, we'd like to have, you know, a hub and spoke model where we would have regional services as well. What the initial assessments would always take place in Dublin. But then if there's individual therapy or individual supports or follow up required regionally, we do have a network now of practitioners and support, you know, good GPs who have supported others that we can refer and lean on, you know, outside of Dublin. So we're developing that model as we go and the programme builds. This is getting stronger in terms of our network. And I think some dentists listening might feel, well, I am stressed, I am feeling I'm a bit burnt out, but I don't think I'm serious enough really to be referred to those services or to go attend them myself. But what would you say to those listening? I think you offer services at an earlier stage as well, as opposed to just literally when people are burnt out, perhaps that's maybe, you know, the wrong time to present. Yeah, we always like prevention is better than cure. So even if you feel your problem is very minor and it doesn't reach the threshold, there is no threshold to come to to our service. Everybody is welcome to attend. It is free of charge. They, you'll get a, a full assessment. And then we can 
you know, sometimes it is only a matter of talking out what the issue is, what are their worries, what are their concerns, and that in itself can be therapeutic. So we would always say, no matter how minor you feel the issue is, do come forward and speak to us and we can help you. So some of the people that you deal with will reach out, be supported, and that might be just enough for them um, for them to know that you're there, that they can reach out when they need to, to talk to someone and to take steps in their own life to address their particular stress and burnout issues. Exactly. You know, one of the key things we would discuss would be the healthy lifestyle model where, you know, sleep, eat and exercise as being the three building blocks for well-being. You know, sometimes they just need to hear that from another source that they're not they're not unwell they're not they don't have a mental health diagnosis that yes maybe they're worrying excessively about a particular issue but again getting another perspective a professional perspective on that is sometimes all that that practitioner or that dentist may need so you know one or two sessions bit of reassurance getting a different perspective and you know pointing out to them about their own self-care and healthy lifestyle choices is simply all that that practitioner might might need. So the medical and dental professions are very good for telling their patients to take it easy and to follow a healthy lifestyle, but they often find it difficult to follow that advice themselves. So obviously you would reiterate that, you know, for those who are experiencing stress, burnout or just not feeling great, take the time themselves that they need. And what other tips would you give perhaps for them to try and address issues at an earlier stage? Well, I do think the healthy lifestyle approach is key. And, you know, many practitioners in dentistry and medicine, time is precious. And often after a long day's work and, you know, the face-to-face demands that we've mentioned with patients, they're drained at the end of the day. And attending to these, you know, these, these essentials, taking some exercise, having a good healthy diet, addressing their sleep issues can fall by the wayside and so helping them to reprioritize those as being not just an add-on extra to what they do but that they are essential if they're going to manage within this profession for the long haul it is a demanding profession it's it, it can be very stressful and so if you're not looking after yourself and your own well-being you know the chances are you are going to burn out And some issues are outside of individual dentists' hands, such as government policy in relation to how they operate and what fees they're paid. And sometimes that can make dentists feel a bit helpless. So really, I suppose, would you advise talking to colleagues about their frustration, perhaps getting together, attending CME events, talking to their unions about these issues? I suppose these all help dentists feel not so alone in facing these particular issues. When dentists, or indeed others, start feeling stressed, the tendency is to withdraw to isolate even further, to not socialise, to not turn up for your CME meetings and, you know, discuss with colleagues. And there is a little bit of shame and, you know, anxiety about declaring, do you know what, I'm, I'm struggling. And so, as I said, the tendency would be to withdraw, whereas really the recommendation would always be the opposite. Talk it out, talk to colleagues, come along, speak to your union. And there are there are a range of supports out there which can help as well as our programme. But involving yourself and not hiding away, I think, would be good advice. 
and obviously being more proactive about the problem, we do know that divorce and suicide rates are higher among the medical and dental professions, but sometimes it's not something that's really talked about openly or it's not something that is dealt with head on. But a lot of the training bodies now are kind of being a bit more proactive and trying to bring in mindfulness, stress management programs, even at undergraduate level. But sometimes then those who are older and later in life might feel, well, I don't know about this. Is this for me? Is this just for the young people? So really, as a whole profession, it's something that people need to come together. Yeah, well, I mean, all the statistics point to, you know, the the, the concerns around the stress, burnout, mental health and suicide rates in the profession. And, you know, a lot of work has been done outside of Ireland on these topics. And we know that the, the consequences of this, both personally in terms of relationships and the risk of suicide, are very concerning. We don't have stats on it in Ireland. We don't have numbers on this particular topic. So a lot of it is anecdotal information. But I think we're we're not going to be unique in Ireland. We're going to have the same problems that they have elsewhere. So addressing this is a very important issue. And both as a systems piece, so in terms of the healthcare, the training bodies, the IDA, and the other organisations that pertain to the dental profession, you know, it is something that's being aired more, it's being talked about more, and hopefully that will destigmatize it and open up a space where it's actually okay to talk. And it's not just okay to talk, it's good to talk. And finally, can you tell me how do people reach out to you and what is the availability of your services? Well, we have a website where somebody can, you know, familiarise themselves with the programme and with all aspects of the programme. On that, there is a confidential email where they can contact us directly. And there's also a telephone line. Now, we are available Monday to Friday. Somebody is available to take your call or I'm available to read the email if you wish to get in contact that way. We are not an emergency service. That would be the only thing I'd like to point out, that if there's something very urgent or you're in crisis, that's not a service we're able to provide. So the usual sources of help for that would be your own GP or an A&E department. Thanks very much to my guest for this episode, Dr. Ida Delarkey, Clinical Director of the Practitioner's Health Matters Programme for discussing stress and burnout. This series is the whole toot from the Irish Dental Association and future episodes will look at other issues of dental and health which affect dentists and their working lives. Thank you for listening in.